G'day gang, first podcast for 2017, looking at the skeletal system for Year 9 Health and Physical Education. Obviously the idea of these podcasts is to just give you a bit of extra information uh, or revised information that you will have covered during class time to support you in your learning to ensure that you're going to do well and that you have a great understanding of the content that we are covering. You've obviously got the capacity to listen to this off your computer or off any other mobile device if you have podcasting apps or software on there. Alternatively, if you don't, you can go to podbean.com and subscribe to uh, my information there. There is a page in your OneNote that outlines how you can go about doing it. So get on it. Okay, so let's kick off looking through essentially lesson one from your health and PE OneNote. So looking at the functions of the skeletal system, naming the bones and different types of bones that exist within the body. The functions, five key ones, it's fairly straightforward for you to remember what they are and to have a bit of an understanding about them. I'll go through a couple of things and just give you some tips in how to answer questions or how to respond to questions in relation to that. Okay, so first up, you can follow along on your computer if you need to or if you're just listening then go for it. So providing a framework for soft tissue to attach to and give the body its shape. If we didn't have a skeletal system we'd be a pile of muscles and organs sitting on the ground so we need some sort of a framework for those to attach to. Soft tissue referring to muscles or other connective tissues. Okay so it gives us the framework. Now the next point there it's really important that you get this one right in your phrasing. So the skeletal system helps with movement. It doesn't produce movement, it doesn't cause movement, it helps with the process. There's two systems that work together being the muscular system and the skeletal system which cause or which bring about movement of our body. The muscles need something to pull on, the skeletal system is what it pulls upon in order to generate movement. The skeletal system provides the joints which are flexible which therefore allows movement to happen. So that's uh, how we produce movement, combining those two systems, getting them to work together. The skeletal system also provides protection for vital organs. The thickness of the skull compared to the thickness of other bones is, um, is different, obviously because we need our brain looked after and not damaged, so we've got a nice thick bone up there on our skull to do that. The ribs form a nice cavity within the body around the heart and lungs, your pelvis as well around other vital reproductive organs um, and other body systems providing some sort of protection down through there also. Blood cell formation is really important and we'll talk about this one when we're looking at structures of long bones because it's our skeletal system which then supports our circulatory system in the creation of red blood cells and also some white blood cells. It's also where we store minerals within the body. Now, bones are constantly in a state of breaking down and rebuilding um, in order to obviously provide those minerals around the rest of the body. So the bones are made up of a whole bunch of different minerals, particularly calcium, that's the one that everyone remembers. As the bones break down, that calcium can be sent different places and used for different purposes, and then the bones are rebuilt at the same time. So that's um, a really cool thing that happens, and that happens through using osteoclasts and osteoblasts to um, rebuild or to break down. Um, that's just another little um, extra snippet of information for you there. The next area that you need to, I guess, be really practising, and this is one that can sometimes take a fair bit of time, but you need to be careful that it's not the only place that you invest your time, is learning the names of the bones within the skeletal system. Okay, we're not asking you to remember every single individual name. There are some where we collectively name a group of bones, but you're going to need to start practicing and start working out 
which ones are which, which you know, you should be able to build on from your year seven understanding as well there. Some ideas for how you're going to go about doing that, obviously labelling skeletons and repracticing and practicing again, using different game websites you can look up or you can find links within your OneNote. There are a whole number of apps, certainly on the Apple um, on the App Store, and no doubt through the Android market as well, there would be some there that you could use to help learn those things. On my iPad, I use a few different ones. One of them is called, um, I think it's called Essential Skeleton 2 or something like that, um, and that's a really good one to use uh, for identifying and looking at different features of bones and look, looking at a whole bunch of things there. Some little key pointers though. Some errors are often made labelling radius and ulna. The radius, when the body is in anatomical position, is the bone that runs directly to the thumb. So if you can find the thumb on the hand, the radius is the bone that connects to that one. It also has the widest distal head, which is the end of the bone closest to the wrist. It is the biggest one there. Okay, and the other area where people often make errors is in the leg. Okay, so we're looking at two bones down there, the tibia and the fibula. Tibia is the big one. Fibula is the smaller one off on the side. Okay, so trying to come up with a system so that you can remember that is a really good idea. Collectively, we often refer to the spine as the spine, obviously, uh, or individually we would call them vertebrae. Carpals are in our hands. You catch things with your hands. Carpal starts with C. Catch starts with C. Tarsals and metatarsals are in your feet. Toes starts with T, tarsals starts with T. You should be able to remember to get those in order. Please be very careful in either both the wrist or also the foot. Then the order is carpals, metacarpals, phalanges, and tarsals, metatarsals, phalanges. If you look at your hand right now, then your carpals are in your wrist, your metacarpals make up the palm of your hand, and your phalanges are your fingers. Another really good way to start learning the bones is actually to start quizzing your mates. Quiz the people in your class, grab part of your body and see if they can tell you which bone exists uh, at that location. That's a really good way of learning things too. Uh, types of bones is the next area of study and we're looking at a few key parts there. Short bones, easy to remember because they're roughly square in shape. They're little, they're small bones, they're roughly a cube, so that means it's a short bone. A long bone, no creativity in the naming there, it's a bone that is long. They're not really a genius move in terms of naming that one. A flat bone, it has a flat surface on it. You've got to think of a bone that has a flat surface, and the scapula is a great example. Really big, flat, bladed part, so that's why it's called the shoulder blade, but we refer to it as the scapula. Really big, flat surface it means that muscles can attach to it. It means that it can move in a whole range of directions. A whole bunch of different muscles can pull it. That's why your shoulder is so flexible and so movable, is because that scapula can move up and down and around because muscles can pull it in all different directions. The other thing that flat bones do is protect organs that might be underneath them. Big solid bones, nice and flat, good protection. Irregular bones. The best example is the vertebrae, and I know that's the image that's in your OneNote, but what that means is that the bone is not a shape that is repeated throughout the body. So your vertebrae, they're different. Each bone is different from top to bottom, so you've got to say, well, okay, then they're going to be an irregular bone because they're not the same each time around when you look at them. The last kind, the sesamoid bone, that's a bone that forms within a tendon. Okay, So the patella is everyone's favourite. Everyone remembers the patella because it sits within the, the tendon across the knee. 
Okay, so there's an example there. But some other examples within the body is there is one of the carpals, it's called the pisiform, and that is in the wrist that exists within a tendon as well, and the incus, which is in your ear, is also a sesamoid bone. So there are more than just the patella, but that is the popular choice when it comes to um, labelling bones or, lab or naming sesamoid bones as well. Okay, talking about long bones, there are a few key features there to identify from a long bone or the structure of a long bone, and a lot of this is found in your Lesson 2 content, by the way. Um, there's some really good ones there that we will have a quick chat about now. So the classic example of the long bone or a long bone diagram is going to be the femur. It's the longest one in the body, it's really strong and it's got good, clear, identifiable features to it. Okay, so the bone itself we can break into a few different sections. Alright, so the epiphysis or the, the head of the bone, the ends of the bone uh, clearly identified at each end and they contain a type of bone referred to as cancellous bone. It's the one that kind of looks a bit spongy. It's spongy for a reason. It's got that real honeycomb pattern which means it's actually surprisingly strong but within those open spaces within that bone there is where red bone marrow is stored and also where blood cells are created. So they're made in that spongy bone. Now that's a good thing that it's not, uh, that's sort of got that honeycomb pattern. That means that those things can be stored in there, they can be made in there. It's a problem when though the bone starts breaking down too much, and you're sort of thinking about osteoporosis, I guess, here, in when those little spongy holes, if you like, become bigger and bigger and bigger, that's when the bone starts becoming weaker. It's really strong in the shape that it is. Once those holes start getting too big, then that's a problem. The epiphyseal plate is, I guess, the point where it's no longer the head of the bone and it becomes the diaphysis, the long section of the bone. Often they're referred to as a growth plate. You will have heard people talk about growth plates and not wanting to damage them during sport and that sort of thing because that's where the growing happens or the increasing in length of the bone. So that's a key location as well. The cavity on the inside or the medullary cavity, really important because that's then where we're going to store um, more marrow and that can then be utilised by the body at different points in time. Okay, the periosteum, outer layer of the bone, um, ligaments and tendons are going to attach to the periosteum on the outside. The, the shaft of the bone or the diaphysis of the bone is made up of compact bone, so it's wicked strong, hard to break, and that's why your femur is so strong, because it's a nice thick layer of compact bone. That pretty much... Oh, sorry, uh, the... Really other important part there is articular cartilage, and we're going to talk about connective tissue in a couple of weeks' time. But articular cartilage, if you've ever had a roast dinner, and apologies if you're uh, vegan or vegetarian or you um, don't want to hear about your roast dinner, uh, you can sometimes see this on the end of bones, if you look at the bone that's left over, or if you've given a dog a bone or anything like that, really white, shiny surface on the end. That's articular cartilage, and it's really smooth, it's slippery. When it's inside the joint, it decreases friction, it adds a layer of shock absorption to the end of the bone, and you really want that there, because if that wears down, then you get a bone-on-bone -bone scenario, and they're grinding on each other, not really all that comfortable for the person or the animal or whatever it is that's, that's moving. So that's really important that that's, that that's there. It has a really key job, and it stops the bone from wearing down. So it's a nice slippery surface. It's kind of like putting... Um, like a Teflon layer on something to, to protect it. So that's a really key feature of the ends of the bone. There is a link within your OneNote if you wish to look at a bit more information on that and to find out a little bit more. So 
if you need help with that one, by all means, click on that one. It's a bbc.co.uk link, so you'll be able to find that one to, uh, to help you there. Now, the vertebral column, or the spine. So, that's split into a bunch of different sections, and they have some key common features amongst those two se uh, the sections that are there. If you look at the top section, so cervical spine, really long process off the back, angles down, that's up in our neck. And if you were to flip one around and, and sort of play with it and look through it, it would have a really large foramen or hole uh, in the middle of it because that's where uh, the tip of the brainstem and also the, uh, the spinal cord is going to go down through there. So all that nerve supply and blood supply is going to flow through that opening in the bone. Clearly it needs to be nice and big because that supplies the rest of the body. As you move down the spinal cord, that hole's going to get smaller. Not by a lot, but it does, uh, because there's less and less nerves or vessels coming out of there because they're heading off to the different parts of the body, for instance. That's also why damage to that first section can be so catastrophic, because that is nerve supply for everything in the body. So that top section, really one that needs to be looked after. Thoracic spine sits next, and you can see that's got a nice curvature on it. Uh, there are different impacts upon uh, spinal curves where people can have them more um, exaggerated than others. You might be looking at a kyphosis or a lordosis in terms of your forwards and backwards um, angles and curves, or a scoliosis if it is uh, a sideways curve, which may have impacted upon some people within our group's um, life at some point if their spine hasn't been straight. It's certainly um, something that can be rectified and that people have different work um, done to look after them in that regard. Thoracic spine is the biggest section of the spine, and I mean biggest in terms of the most number of vertebrae in there, and that sits sort of through the main part of our back. The lumbar section, identified by really thick, really strong pieces of um, vertebral bone. Okay, so they're really thick, and if you think about it, they have to be big, they have to be thick, because they've got the entire weight of the body resting upon them. So they've got to be big and strong to do that. The cool thing about all the different parts of the spine is that they've got that little process off the back of them, and that acts as a bit of a lockout. So as the, as the spine flexes, they might lock out on each other, and it means that it can't bend any further, and it can't do any further any damage to the spinal cord. So that's a cool built-in safety feature of the spinal cord. Down the bottom, the sacrum sorry, sits within the pelvis. That's five vertebrae all fused together, sitting within the pelvis there. And the very end bone, the coccyx, is the tip of the spinal or the vertebral column. How do we remember it? How do we go, okay, well, they've all got different names, all these different sections. How do I remember the name of all the different sections? When I was at uni, someone taught me a bit of an acronym, and my apologies if these names resonate with anyone out there in the cohort. Charlie thinks Lucy's sort of cute. CTLSC, cervical, thoracic, lumbar, sacrum, coccyx. Helps you get them in order. And all you have to remember is getting those first letters right and then you go, okay, well, which one started with C, which one started with T, which one started with L? And that's often a little bit handy to get things done there. Okay, I'm going to wind up this uh, podcast there and then I'm going to do another one uh, containing a few other bits of information in just a moment. The key things that you should have got from this one so far... Functions of the skeleton, how do I remember the bones, what are the types of the bones, structure of the long bone, and a little bit more about the vertebral column. So I hope that's been helpful. Um, stay tuned. I'll pump out the next one in just a moment.